Good morning, Northside Church. It's after 11. I know y'all had coffee. I saw the bar outside. Y'all can do better than that. Good morning, Northside Church. It's an honor to be here this morning. I'm humbled that Pastor Rocky Purvis would allow me to come in his steed and worship with you all. Thankful for Pastor Scott. Uh, he was right about us connecting and becoming close really quick, man. It's crazy. Must be that October birthday deal or something. I don't know. But uh, I call him the Holy Spirit. But um, that's how that works. It's great to be here. Me and my family have been in Lexington for just over two years now. So it's been really great. I almost feel native. It's crazy. Um, but it's great to be here. We bought our house in Lexington, so we passed Northside. And my kids coming for Upward, so we're connected, right? Like we, it's just great to be here. And uh, what I really love about moving to Lexington is I, I didn't have to build anything yet. Uh, that was great, because at my last house, my wife had this grandioso idea, you know, from Pinterest. <laughs> it's like and the antithesis of man is Pinterest. And so... <laughs> She found these storage benches uh, to go in our breakfast nook, you know, and she was like, oh, this is perfection. Honey, look at this. Wouldn't that be great? I was like, how much is it? <laughs> oh, I have to build them, Stephen. It's Pinterest. It's an idea. I was like, all right, well, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Who's going to build that? <laughs> I've never built anything in my life, especially not furniture that you would have to sit on or use for any major purpose. And so I got a lot of helpful advice from the Lowe's and Home Depot crew, right? Google was my friend, right? <laughs> this was years before Google Home was invented. Um, but it was really cool because I had to learn just how specific and intentional you have to be when building anything that people are going to utilize, okay? I mean, it's really weird. You have to think about now just the height, the depth, and the width of an item, but you have to consider the depth of the boards that you're using, right? Because if you want everything to touch and meet in the right place, the, the width of the board matters, <laughs> right? You build a bench without thinking about that, and you'll find out when they don't fit in the nook just right. That happened. <laughs> so I went back again, and we had some friends over, and a close friend of mine walks in. His name was Lee, and he said, all right, Stephen of Nazareth, great job. Uh, <laughs> you're a carpenter now. But it was really cool because right after I finished them, I was actually going through the book of Exodus, which we're walking through now. And I noticed something. As I'm walking through Exodus chapter 25, which we'll be walking through in just a moment, I noticed something. God is very, very specific. Every nook, cranny, detail, he left out nothing. For the whole tabernacle, I mean the color and the dye used for the cloths to cover up the whole tabernacle area, which place you could go, where you could not go, what could be used, utensil size, everything. He was so specific to the finest detail, even to the animal's fur or animal types used for what sacrifice. That's pretty specific. Wouldn't you say? But awkwardly enough... In Exodus 25, and we'll see it in just a moment, there was one detail left out. God, in his sovereign, perfect will, all-knowing, all-powerful, foreseeing, prophetic God, left out one very important detail. And that detail was for a very important part of the entire 
portion of the tabernacle, especially the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony. It's just not there. I dug into the manuscripts myself. I looked at it in Hebrew and said, maybe the translators messed it up. It just wasn't there. Maybe they forgot a yod. I don't know. It was just, it just wasn't there. We're going to look at the text right now. And I want us to see that. But I want you to remember, we're talking about a sovereign, holy, perfect, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent God. So he's here with us. So I'm not going to falsely represent what the Bible says. So let's take a quick look. If you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 25. If you got it already, say amen. amen. Great. I led up to it. Verse 10. Let's start there. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Now, if you're reading the old King Jimmy, okay, my grandma raised me on the King Jimmy, then it'll say uh, shitem wood. That's okay. It's the same tree. Shitem's just closer to the original Hebrew word. It's acacia, the place where it came from. Two and a half cubits shall be its length. A cubit and a half shall be its width, and a cubit and a half shall be its height. That's pretty specific, don't you think? God was clear. Height, width, depth. Build it. And God even orchestrated and gifted specific people to do these building and these works. Height, width, depth, or length. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and you shall make on it a molding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings for it and put them on the four corners, two rings on one side, two rings on the other side. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles, shall be, the, the poles shall be in the rings of the ark and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark of testimony which I shall give you. What have you seen so far? God being specific. He didn't say, ah, put some rings on there, just a few. Take some poles. You can use whatever material you like. Is it pretty to you? Ask your wife what she thinks is cute. You know, put that on there. No, he didn't do that. He was very specific and very intentional all the way through every step. Watch what happens in verse 17. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, and a cubit and a half shall be its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. What's missing? Oh, y'all don't see it? He's got here the length and the width. This box was not two-dimensional. What's missing? The depth. God did not give a specific depth to the mercy seat. God did not give them an instruction for how deep the mercy seat should be. You know why that's so significant? Because you'll see later on in the text that the mercy seat is where God said he will come and meet them and give them their instructions and that you are to come and meet him at mercy. Praise God. He gave no depth to his mercy. I might not have made it in. 
because God gave no limit to the depth of his mercy. Some of us can shout this morning because we know had God not accepted me in spite of myself and all my wrongs and everything that I did, that if he had had a limit to the mercy he would give, I might have had no hope. And if you know like I know, God deserves every bit of my breath, all of my worship, all of my praise, all of my body, all of my life, everything that I can give him for the simple fact that he has not limited his mercy to offer me. And us this morning have the grand opportunity to not only receive his mercy because of his grace, but we get a chance to share that with others. And that God desires for us to know him and to love him. And he has a specific way through a specific person for us to be in specific relationship as intentional with him. You know, what's really amazing too is that my first point is gonna be this. God is specific, orderly, and intentional. God is specific, orderly, and intentional. A lot of people, especially old school church folk like me, okay, we quote 1 Corinthians 14, 40 all the time. Do everything decently and in order. <laughs> and we'll make that whatever we feel it needs to be. The song has to be sung here. You got to sin here. We got to give the offering here. You must dress like this. You must talk like this. That's not what God was talking about. What he said was, what I say do, do that. When I say do it, do it then. How I say to do it, do it that way. And when I am specific, that's what I want you to do. When I'm not specific, you got options. For instance, if you're like me, you got kids. I got kids. I love my kids. That's why I went to all those camps. A lot of camps. A lot of other folks' kids. There's no board of education at those camps. So we just love the kids, and we show them grace and mercy. Amen? And what's amazing is I wanted my kids to experience all the camps that they could, right? Because I wanted them to be able to walk away and go, Daddy, I like that camp. I don't like that camp, but I love that camp. You know, so, that, so next year, Daddy might not have to preach so much. <laughs> but, but what's really cool is this. I get to talk to my kids and give them specific instructions and intentionality and watch them meander through them sometimes, right? Like, God gave us kids on purpose. Like, he knew what he was doing. He was like, oh, you don't want to listen to me? Have a junior. <laughs> oh, oh, you don't like how I did that? Here's your little baby girl. All right, now you get to learn something new. And what's awesome about our God is he gives us grace and mercy so that we can show them, oh, it's not that hard. I promise I'm saying it's simple. I've been preaching camps all summer. I'm really simple with the message, okay? And I'm telling you this way because if you think about it, we tell our kids specifically things to do. All right, kids, I want you to eat your vegetables or you don't get any ice cream, okay? Now, some of y'all might not do that, <clears throat> but if you don't, your kid's not going to be healthy, right? If your kid's not healthy, they're going to have fun playing outside. The bounce house isn't that cool when you're not healthy. Ugh. Ugh. Mama, let's go home and watch TV. <laughs> right? 
But if they follow your instructions to eat well, to sleep on time, to have limited amount of snacks, but to obey you in all things, then not only will they get to do those fun things, but they'll be in a great, great position to enjoy those things you gave them. Right? So when God gives us instructions and tells us, live this way, act this way, treat my other children this way, talk to your neighbor this way, love that stranger this way, you need to make sure you're investing this way and don't engage in that. Stay away from this and love this way. Then we know that the God who made everything loves us because he gave us specific instructions. But what's really crazy is we think that we get to negotiate. You ever had your kids negotiate with you over something you said to do? Uh, let me try this. Imagine I have a daughter. She's, she should be 10 on Monday. 10. She'll be double digits for the most of her life, maybe the remainder. And now I tell her, Mackenzie, go clean your room. And she goes, okay, daddy. And she runs off. And she gets over there and she comes back and says, daddy, I remembered what you said. You said, go clean your room. Am I satisfied? What did I ask her to do? Clean her room. So what question am I going to ask her? Did you clean your room? Oh, I just memorized what you said. Mackenzie, go clean your room. So she goes back. She comes to me later. Daddy, guess what? I, I remember what you said. I memorized it in Greek and in Hebrew. Great. Did you clean your room? Oh, right. Then she scurries off and comes back again. Daddy, I got with some of my friends. We sat in a circle. We opened up what you said, and we looked at it and talked what it would look like if my room was clean. Is that what I wanted her to do? Now think about our lives today. How many times we sit in a worship service and open up the Word of God and hear what He has to say, and we get His specific, His orderly, and His intentional instructions, and yet we sit, and we talk, and we say, oh, that felt good. All right, back to life. <laughs> Is the Father pleased? Mm. It's simple. And when God gives us specific and intentional instructions, what do you think we should do? Obey him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Simple. You say you love him, you sing about it. I couldn't even turn around. I was enjoying worship myself. If you say you love Jesus, then you should obey what he says. And God is specific, and he's intentional, and he does things in the right order. And here he's prophesying, you know what, I already know, that my people are going to need boundless mercy. They're going to need mercy that has no depth, no bottom, no baseline, because if I did, some of them wouldn't make it. Praise be to my holy God, that in spite of me, he loved me. And I love how David quoted Romans 5, 8. He said that God showed his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much love does it take for you to give up your only child so someone else can be in your family? 
How much love does it take to watch your child be beaten, scourged, crown of thorns put on their head, spit on, disrespected, cast out, and then thrown on some wood, crucified, so that the sinners that caused the nails to be kept there could be at your table one day saying how they love you. Praise God. There's no depth to his mercy. And some of you are looking right now saying, Stephen, uh, I don't know the difference between mercy and grace. Tell me mercy and grace. I mean, I know I need grace. I know I need mercy. What's the difference? Let me help you. Grace is giving to you what you don't deserve. Makes sense, right? That's why in Ephesians 2, 8, it says you're saved by grace through faith not of your works, okay? Because if you could work and earn salvation, you could look down your nose at someone else and say, ha, you're not trying hard enough. You didn't memorize what the Father said enough. Gotcha, <laughs> right? But no, grace brings salvation to an opportunity for you to respond to the truth of the gospel that God himself came to earth in flesh, walked a perfect life, died on Calvary, a sinner's death, having never sinned, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day, and now you can be forgiven of your trespasses and reconciled back to God. That is the gospel. And the proof of that gospel being true is that it's not just for you, it's for everyone. Regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they're from, regardless of how they smell or where they look like or their life situation or their mistakes, they need it too. And the question is, will you obey the father who said go? Will you obey the son when he said go therefore? Not just to those that you like or that look like you are those that are easy, those that are comfortable. Because if I remember right, maybe it's just my parents, my parents gave me instructions to do things that weren't so comfortable all the time. Like the first time I had to cut the grass in the summer, four acres, push mower. <laughs> oh, good, son, you're tall, you're strong, you like basketball, let's get some exercise in. Take the mower, cut the grass. What grass? That grass. Which grass? That grass. Over there, what grass? Huh? Can I get a hat? That wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. But guess what? Came training season. Who was fast? Oh, yeah. I had a pretty nice vertical in high school, too. But I had a chance to prepare because I was obedient. It got me physically ready and mental discipline and tenacity. And I ask you this morning, what is God asking you to do specifically and intentionally that you're not willing to do? You should be humbled and thankful for his mercy. Let's continue in the text at verse 17 again. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Mercy, in Hebrew, kaparoth. Okay, it actually means mercy seat. Oh. And then, hestelion, in, in Greek. In Hebrews 9, you actually get to see the contents of the Ark of the Covenant. So it's important that we understand God is not kidding when he said, that's a seat of mercy that I'm meeting you at. Verse 18. 
and you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above covering the mercy seat. With their wings they shall face each other. The faces of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark of testimony put in what I shall give you. And there, watch how specific he is. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. My second point this morning, God desires us to know him specifically and love him intentionally. God desires us to know him specifically and love him intentionally. You have a choice this morning. Do you know God? Hmm. Some of us think we have eternal life, but we can't answer the question if we know God or not. I'm not saying everything. My kids know me, right? But they don't know everything about me. I mean, there's some stuff, right? But with God, there's a mystery that we have that's still all good stuff because he's God, right? He's holy. And the thing I want you to understand is this, is God wants us to know him. How do we know this? In John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus spells out exactly what eternal life is. He says it this way. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Eternal life is a relationship. You see, eternal life with God doesn't begin after this body decays and falls away and the heartbeat ends. No, 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 no. Eternal life begins when you accept Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, quickens your spirit, and now you're alive spiritually. And you now have a connection to the Father so you can worship him in spirit and in truth. Because without the blood of Jesus, you can't be made clean, made a whole vessel able to house God himself inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have all of God inside of you, because I got some Holy Spirit too, all right? <laughs> but he's not broken up. He's God. He can be any way he wants to be. That's a beautiful part of the mystery. That's why we're called to gather together. Because the more of us that come together, the more time we spend together, guess what? We got more of the Holy Spirit with us, and we worship. It's wonderful. And we call on God to speak to us. He's here. Because his grace and mercy abound. Now, if grace is giving to us what we don't deserve, mercy is taking from us what we do deserve. You see why the mercy seat is so important? How many lies does it take to be a liar? Oh, y'all real sheepish right now. I just told a white lie last weekend. Does that count? Yes. Don't let, the, don't let the white lie fool you, okay? That's still lying. How many times you got to steal to be a thief? Mm. How many times you got to gossip to be a gossiper? 
How many times you need to covet someone else's stuff to be a covetous person? Oh, yeah. So you give that. How many times you need to sin to be a sinner? Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. We all know what wages are because when you go to work, you expect your wages when you're done, right? Well, when you sin, you earn death every time. That's what you deserve. Praise God for his boundless mercy because guess what? He withholds that which you deserve when you accept his son. And he wipes your debt clean. And every time he looks at you, he doesn't say guilty. He says, my son paid it for you. And Jesus says, yes, Father, they're on my tab. Praise be to the almighty, powerful God that his mercy has no limit to the depth in which we can immerse ourselves in his love. Because of his grace and because of his mercy, we can get to know him specifically and love him intentionally. If you're like me, in a relationship that's covetous called marriage, right? That doesn't happen by accident, right? I didn't go on to Google or Amazon and say, give me a two-day delivery and, oh, hit the wrong button. No, I met her, outpunted my coverage completely. So I was very intentional when I said, oh, yeah, that one, Lord, please make it that one. And when I say God's grace and mercy are upon me to have the bride that I have, I'm thankful. But marriage is tough. Getting to know somebody like that? Oh, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. I ain't the only one. If you've been married more than 13 minutes, you know. I mean, you barely pass the altar after you say, yes, I do. Ah, what you doing? Get over here. <laughs> right? Marriage is not easy. Getting to know someone is difficult because you start conforming to them more than you realize. Some of you start looking alike. And the reality becomes this, that as you come to know them, you become to delight in what they delight. You begin to like what they like. You begin to understand what they need and you conform to that to make them happy because you love them and they do the same for you. And it becomes a beautiful marriage and union and it's joyous. People begin to look at you and go, oh, that's so cute. And what's phenomenal is God wants that same covenantal relationship with you personally, specific, and intentionally, so much so that he gave up his son to do it. Jesus died so you could be his bride. Goodness me. I'm not sure what else can get you more excited. People kick each other at Carolina games. <laughs> Periorthane saved me. <laughs> I want you to hear this. God loves you, and he wants you in a relationship with him. But the only way to make that happen is through his son, Jesus the Christ. By his grace, having faith that he came, died, rose again in heaven, waiting, and that that death finished the work. And when he said in John 19, 30, it is finished, he meant it. And you get to live set free. Like he said in John 8, 36, he who believes in me will be free. And if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. 
If that's true, and I know that it is, then you should be able to live free. Don't live bound up and locked down by the sin that you used to have. Don't walk back to the sin you used to conform to. Choose to get to know God specifically. Then you'll know who you are because he made you. And you'll know his love because you'll live inside of it by obedience. And you'll experience him. And everyone who comes in contact with you will get to see a little piece of Jesus too. Because you decided to be obedient. You decided to be intentional. You decided to love the way you were called to. Not because you had some behavior modifications. No, 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 no. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you'll be a new creation in Christ. You'll be made new on the inside. Your hair color won't change. That's okay. <laughs> you'll still have to wear glasses sometimes. That's cool too. My contacts are drying out just a little bit. But the inside will be new. And because the inside is new, the outside will change too. And people will know. Funny that in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, that Jesus said, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples. By how you love one another. And God wants you to love him first because it'll be impossible to love anyone else if you don't love him. Specifically, know him and intentionally love him. My last point is this, and I'm closing. God wants to meet us with mercy. God wants to meet us with mercy. First, God is specific, orderly, and intentional. God desires to know him specifically and love him intentionally. And last, he wants to meet us with mercy. And just like he wants to meet us and love us and walk with us, he has sheep that are not of the fold yet, that he wants to get to know him too. But he's commanded you to be his hands and feet to this world. As Romans 12, 2 said, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that means that you will be made new. You will think different. You will see people different. You will understand. You will respond different. You won't be in traffic and the person going three lanes across you to make a right-hand turn cut you off and you start using hand signals. You'll respond different. You'll pray for people that offend you. You'll love people that are different than you. And you will make an intentional choice to seek after God and love him and do what his heart desires because of the covenant relationship you have with him. And you'll be intentional with every aspect of your life. From your spouse, to your kids, to your neighbor, to your coworker, to that guy across the street, to that person at the grocery store, to that random guy that cut you off in traffic, show them love of Jesus. Because maybe God let them cut you off because he wanted them to see him through you. My question is this morning is, how much mercy did you need? How much mercy did you need for God to forgive you and redeem you by the blood of his son? How much mercy do you need right now? How much mercy is required for you? How many times has God said to do and you were like, eh, nope. 
because you know for sure that we would have given our kids the Board of Education had they disobeyed us. And I want us to understand this very clearly. If we got everything that we deserved for what we did, that seat would not be near as comfortable. Your life would not be what it is today. And I know some of you are looking at me saying, you don't know my life, Pastor. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've seen. I don't need to. I know that God is in control because I love him. And he told me to be here today, and he wanted you to know this. His mercy is greater than anything else you've seen. His power is greater than you can ever fathom or understand. His intentionality is beyond our three-pound brain's comprehension. And the question that he has for you is, when will you take what you know and let it travel 18 inches to your heart and begin to live it out intentionally? If you are here this morning and you're apart from a relationship with Jesus, you've never confessed yourself as a sinner because all it takes is one. And Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So don't think too highly of yourself. And it, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And in Romans 10.9 and 10, it says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Because with the heart you believe, with the mouth you confess unto salvation. And the question is, is how much mercy do you need from God today? He's got plenty. And today can be the day that you respond to his love, to the fact that he sent Jesus to die for you in spite of everything you've ever done. And you can make that choice today to become a child of the king. For someone else today, you may have been a believer for a long time. But you've hit a wall in your relationship with God. You're starting to feel kind of stagnant. As a matter of fact, you're starting to drift away from him. You're not reading the word. You're not praying very much. You're not really excited about coming to church. It's more like a box check activity for you. It's become a social activity for you. You don't even worship when they're singing. You're like, what do words mean again? I'm not really feeling that. You've drifted away some because of sin, unrepentant in your life. And today might be the day you need to come to him and say, Father, I'm sorry, I need that boundless mercy because I want to be close to you. You can respond today too. I'm going to be standing here right in front of the altar area and I'm going to have a couple of pastors with me. You can respond as the Lord leads you. You can come and declare that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and we'd love to lead you to Jesus. But you can also respond this morning and say, hey, I've drifted away. I just need you to pray for me that God will be with me all over again. And you can pray here by yourself. We won't say a word to you. But if you want to talk with us, we'll be here. As the band comes, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to worship one more time. And I want you to respond the way the Lord leads you to. I want you to be specific about what you want. I want you to be intentional with what you do. And I want you to remember that His mercy, per the Scriptures, has no measurement. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine or even think. The question is, is how will you respond to him today? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so mighty. You are holy. You are intentional. You are specific. 
and there is nothing that gets past you. Lord, in everything, in everything, you show us your love. You show us your love by how you watch over us each and every day as we sleep, as we eat, as we travel. Lord, you keep us safe. You keep us safe from every hurt, harm, and danger. Lord, you give us oxygen without end, and your mercy has no end also. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for each person that you're drawing to yourself by the Holy Spirit. Give them courage to move right now. Move them, Lord, in the way that you see fit. They can respond where they are. They can respond up here. But, Lord, however you move them, God, when they take that Connect card, they can make a note and say, contact me. I want to receive Jesus. But, Lord, I pray that someone, if they're here, that they'll respond to you today the way that you want them to so they can feel your endless mercy. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray this. And all of God's people said,